0: Welcome back to Pagan Preaching. This is your host, Ethna An. Um, first thing, I know that maybe some of you noticed that there wasn't an episode a couple weeks ago. I was busy and Matthew was sick, so he wasn't able to record for us, but we're here now and this is a really exciting episode because this is the first one where we have a special guest on the show with me. I have Faye Wild, who is a fellow podcaster and neopagan, specifically an animist. And uh, yeah, the purpose of this podcast is for us to all learn from each other. And I feel in my heart that my listeners can learn a lot from Faye, so go ahead. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your belief
1: system? All right. Well, my name is Faye Wild and I am from Oregon and I, um, I'm visually impaired. So, uh, that makes, uh, practicing a little bit different because I can't always, you know, grab the right colored candle for my ritual or something, but, um, I've been a pagan for 16 years. I've been a practicing animist for three of those. And animism means so much to me because nature teaches us so much about balance. It teaches us how to live um, and to honor everything around us, not just, uh, you know, the seasons, but everything and and honor the spirits of all living things, Uh, that's why I love being an animist
0: so would you this is maybe an obvious question but mm. would you consider animism to be under the neo-pagan umbrella or would you consider animism to be kind of its own separate thing
1: well I would say that um animism uh to me would definitely be under the neo-pagan umbrella um Although it doesn't have to be like, you know, it it can be its own thing. It can be just a philosophy that one follows, a belief that all things are alive. But for me, I feel like it's definitely under the neo-pagan umbrella because so many things can be, your practice can be modified to your specific thing. You know, for example, I'm an animist, um, but I also am a kitchen witch as well. So, (laughs) You know, um, and then you know I've heard of people being Christian animists, or you know, and because animus, animism can be a philosophy, um, or it can be a belief system that one follows. And so I definitely think it can be, and it's definitely considered to be neo-pagan. Okay,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Kind of in that same vein, what does like <clears throat> worship look like for you as an animist, like? are you connected with any deities or is it kind of just animism for you right now?
1: Actually, um, I do worship, uh, I animism I in animism. I do worship, uh, I, I do worship two deities. Um, and they are, um, there, there's an interesting story, uh, that's related to that but like uh I believe in this the mother nature mm-hmm. um, and the dark god and how I came to honor them was that uh you know I was thinking about this and I was talking to uh, a friend and I said well there's so many people that talk about mother nature don't anger mother nature mother yeah. nature must be very you know happy or something I thought well there's so much Honor there's so much like mention of her, why isn't she a goddess? and then I started feeling like she was, and then I was <laughs> like, there has to be a balance, so um you know, I was like, well, why isn't there a dark god who who's in charge of decay and like the hunt and like death and rebirth and all that so um so yeah, I honor the deities and the spirits and M- and then. Uh, the fairies yeah that's kind of my worship okay yeah. I've I've known <clears throat>
0: animists to um specifically work with like conceptual spirits um like I used to listen to a podcast where one of the hosts uh, was working with at the time like the spirit of like the eagle or the spirit of the bear do you incorporate that sort of ideology into your
1: practice Like you know, um, I don't. For me, no. It's to me. It's more like honoring all spirits. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, I might say uh, spirit of the eagle or spirit of the lion when I'm calling on an elemental, on an element. Um, but for me, that's more like a guardian. But I don't really. I don't really. Uh, in my worship, usually, no. I. I. Just, I honor all the spirits together is sort of a because I see animism as sort of uh, a web of life and living and all spirits are equal Right, all they're all serving the web together so oh
0: that's really nice that's a really nice like kind of sort of soothing way to approach the world especially since like the world we're in now can be so like polluted with hatred and inequality and bigotry so I really that's really interesting and
1: like
0: to think about Um, is there like you know in neo-paganism a lot of neo-pagans are like reconstructionists or revivalist pagans and they tend to follow like regional traditions Mm -hmm. is there a regional tradition of animism that you are following now or are you kind of gathering from multiple
1: sources um actually um i consider myself sort of um uh just like an just like a basic because i don't really (laughs) draw my sources from any particular like tribe or tradition um, I just believe that, you know, honoring the spirits, um, who they are and the deities and the fae and in, in particular paying attention to sort of, um, the spirits that are kind of in my backyard, you know, and, yeah. and thinking about those sorts of things, you know, I think that's important because <clears throat> if you start honoring other spirits, that's Fine, but like you need to sort of be connected to the ones in your backyard like the spirit of that lovely ponderosa pine or you know so you've got some jasmine spirits in the backyard not honor those um, and so that's kind of where my animism comes from
0: sure so you your um, take on animism kind of transcends geography or like um, yes. boundaries yes, yes. yeah That's really, I think there are um, a few of my listeners, like one of my moderators in the discord chat, Charlie, in particular, that I think would really appreciate your take on um, honoring even like every spirit of every plant because so many um, neo-pagans and witches work really closely with the lives of their plants that they're caring for. And even like those that are outside and we try so hard to, um, Kind of learn from everything we can, which I think is in its own essence animism, even if that right. I do think, um, kind of similar to that, I was wondering, like, what you think Neopagans now could learn from animism and, like, how pagans could better accommodate animism. Because when you think of Neopaganism, it's very much this, like, these ancient traditions that we're bringing back or maybe some that we're mixing together. And I haven't seen really a lot of space for
1: animus in modern practice. So I think neo-pagans can learn a lot from animism because, you know, there is a sort of veneration for nature, which is why I sort of became a pagan when mm-hmm. I did um but just remembering you know that nature is all around you and that you know yes honor your gods honor the fae um you know don't you know by all means but i think that you know when you sit down and you meditate or you find a place in nature um for example um you know, when I I went to the coast, whenever I would go to the coast, I would always find a way to commune with the ocean by sitting down in the sand and breathing, you know, breathing with the rhythm of the ocean and seeing what the ocean had to tell me in meditation. So finding a a place where you can do that, or if you can't do that, you know, find, find a time in your mind to find something to connect with, whether it's the ocean, your local river, uh, even a campfire, seeing if that can give you some uh, some spiritual resonance because I think that nature can teach us so much and spirits are always around us. and um, you know finding that joy, finding that place of peace is very important. Um I hope I answered your question. Oh,
0: yeah, you definitely did and it actually made me think of something else, you know, like okay. I um I'm a Hellenic polytheist mm-hmm. and in Hellenism there are a lot of deities that are personified concepts of things mm-hmm. like um I I've, I've been reading about myths of gods and heroes and there's like Arachne, who I guess isn't really a deity, but, like, you know, she personifies spiders there, and um, mm. the goddesses happiness and virtue that interacts mm. with Heracles as he begins his journey. And I think, too, there are so many deities that have domains in the natural world that mm. instead of accessing the natural world through our deities, we can access our deities through the natural world, you know? So if somebody's yeah. a follower of, like, Poseidon, and then exactly what you said, you know, interacting with and connecting to the ocean and maybe seeing if you can build a stronger spiritual connection with yourself and your gods by immersing yourself in their domain.
1: Yes, yes, that's, that's definitely important. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's really overlooked a lot. Yes, I think. You know, it's it's wonderful to honor Pan, but like you know, for example, but uh, what about the forests that he guards? You know, all the <laughs> all the trees, oak trees, and all the herbal plants, and all the animals that are part of the domain. Think about those, you know, for example. Sure. Yeah.
0: At one of my earliest episodes was on Pan, um, mm-hmm. and he, somebody I would like to revisit, but. You know, he his message, I think, is so much about embracing the wilderness within you. But I, yes. I think a really important step to that is embracing the wilderness outside of you. And really, like, when you go out in a place where it's not, like, touched by people and it's just this sort of, like, I don't want to say pure because there are, you know, connotations with that. But, like, yeah. Unedited versions of nature where you can see, like, okay, like I'm connected to this deity in this domain, and I I get it now why they chose this domain, Mm -hmm. you know, and feeling that sort of connection. Pan is a really great example of that. Like, Pan and um, Kernonos, and who else am I thinking of? Like, Bridget, if you're somebody that works with like the spirit of fire. Yeah. Poseidon, definitely, if you want that sea energy sure and you know that's hard i'm here in the midwest and we're totally landlocked so i really i envy <laughs> you being so close to the ocean and <laughs> um, what else do i have here oh i was curious so you know you've you said you've practiced paganism and you've identified as pagan for you said 16 years yes and you i mean kind of adopted a practice of animism about three years ago so what drew you to animism what made you think like i want to
1: start to revisit my understanding of the world well you know it was, it's funny about that is that um when i started um i was you know your typical wiccan uh mm-hmm. the typical wiccan starting out and you know that was fine but, like, I wanted something that was a little bit more different. And then, you know, through my love of cooking, you know, I was like, this, there's definitely something here. and um, But I think it really started when I was, you know, 24. And I was, you know, really young. And I, you know, I was very into, like, the history of hippies. And I was like, <laughs> you know... You gotta honor Mother Earth and I think that's where it kinda started. Um but uh you know, but then, you know, I became a pagan it was like kitchen witchery and I thought, you know, well you have to like think about the herbs and the foods that you're eating and try to cook seasonally and stuff like that when you can.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was
1: an eclectic um witch for a long time, but I think it was just the belief in the fairies, the belief that nature was important and I felt like I wasn't honoring nature enough. Um, But just, you know, claiming, well, I'm a pagan, so I'm going to hang out in nature. To me, it was sort of like I needed more. Um, So, and I thought, and I, you know, I studied animus, and I was like, that makes so much sense to me. To honor, you know, all life. All life. And to me, that became my journey into Animism, and I never looked back since.
0: Sure. What I have here is, how did you learn about animism, and and do you think the resources for animism are more limited than that of reconstructed or revivalist pagans?
1: Oh well, um, <laughs> the, uh, I learned about it actually through um, because I wanted something that was sort of honoring all nature so I was just looking on on Google because you know um, it's very hard to find and that's another thing like it's very hard to find pagan material if you're visually impaired there's not a lot out there there's a few audiobooks there's there's several audiobooks maybe 50 or so um, but there's not a lot out there so but I've always been sort of a researcher
0: mm-hmm. and
1: someone who likes to learn and so I you know, I was learning about Adamson, uh on Google, and I was, like, honoring, you know, all things that are alive and, um, and and everything has a soul. That makes sense. And I do. I think that there's not a lot as much out there f- for animists as revivalist pagans. What you'll find out there are lots of scholarly things, Um you know in encyclopedias and there are a few books out there um but there's not enough uh not not enough about animism as a as a belief you know usually it's talking about well the this tribe did this and that tribe did that and then this is how they did, it, mm-hmm. they did it through totemism and but like it's not it's not like the information that uh most pagan traditions have
0: right yeah
1: yeah and i think that
0: i wonder if that can be attributed to just like how old animism is i have um a dual degree in history religious studies and Mm, i was taught that yeah i was taught (laughs) that um animism is the oldest religion it is yeah and i mean that that predates literacy you know like pre- it's mm-hmm. written language so it's hard to have any resources on that at all but also um places that remained animist are those that were hit hardest by imperialism and colonization yes. so we wipe that out too and like we just it's unfortunate that we have so little information but on the other hand, it seems like animism is something that's really personal and really accessible if you don't have a lot of information. Like the core understanding is honoring each life form as like an important spirit that contributes its own sort of like weight and worth to the world. And without them, it wouldn't be the same on the planet. And there's not really rules for that there. no like uh, there is sort of like a loose dogma or structure in revivalist and reconstructed branches of paganism.
1: Yeah, so in a way it's sort of I guess in a way it's sort of uh, it's it's balanced because like you know there's no you know there's not a lot from I mean there's a lot from the scholarly uh, you know you know portion but not as much from the faith portion of it. And, Mm -hmm. and so like you sort of create your own traditions within animism because there's no, you know, well, you do it this way or you do it that way, but you can sort of, you can sort of tailor it to your own, uh, your own practice and, um, you can sort of make that yours, and it, it to me. And I do. I find it very personal. I find animals extremely personal. It's all about how you feel and how you perceive the air, the world around you. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's see here. I think the last question I have, if you're comfortable with this, um, just from. Checking out your own podcast, it seems like being visually impaired is something that is like important for you to discuss and share with others. Um, and how would I know that there are ways in which that would maybe hinder you in your practice because the world just isn't accessible to people no. that are visually and hearing impaired. But do you think? there are ways that being visually impaired has maybe given you some benefits that like kind of the abled bodied or those who aren't, you know, living with an impaired sense wouldn't have.
1: I would say in, in a way it does because, um, like, you know, uh, there is so much information and that was a one time I was, you know, talking with my mom about like the senses and I said, do you, see, do you sometimes just get overwhelmed by seeing too much? <laughs> yeah, actually you can. And I'm like, well, I feel that like all the time with my, with my, you know, sense of touch and my sense of smell and my sense of taste. But, um, I I think in a way it can be beneficial because you don't have sight as your dominant sort of sense going. Uh let me see exactly what you're doing here. You could actually you can actually uh use all of your senses together and because you have to use them all to sort of make up for not being able to see. Sure. So you can like, you know, smell those flowers and you know, if they're edible, you can taste those flowers. You can listen to the bees all around you and, and, and like, you know, smell it and just touch it. And I think, in a way, uh, the world can come alive if you want it to. And, it, and I think it does in my cooking. Um, I think it definitely does because I'm not, I'm not, uh, For example, when I'm cooking and I'm doing, you know, and I'm putting my energy into food, um, I'm not distracted by, oh, that doesn't look so good. I'm Mm -hmm. more like, I'm more like, I want to know what the flavors are, the textures. Uh, I want to know if these flavors and textures go together. I want to know if these spices, you know, go together. So in some ways, I feel that it certainly can be a, uh, it, it can be a wonderful thing to to be, um, to be visually impaired. And I find meditation a lot easier because I don't have to, like, close my eyes first. Uh, I can just sort of, like, okay, you know.
0: Right. I was wondering, too, if you have noticed <clears throat> maybe an increased intuition in comparison to your peers, Um Because that's something I really struggle with is like, and especially with um, my ADHD, like Mm -hmm. focus on intuition and just letting things flow through me and feeling the energies around me has always been a struggle. Um, But hearing you talk about your experience, it sounds like that sort of intuition and inner knowing comes a lot more easily to you.
1: I think it does because I wouldn't call myself necessarily an empath, but I definitely feel the energies, you know, in a place and, you know, and I can sort of read a room with the energy and and I feel into, I I feel very intuitive. Um, I think what stops me though is like what sort of hinders me a little bit is like, because I would, you know the books that I could find it was like well you are supposed to carve this candle with these signs <laughs> and then you're supposed to dip it in these oils roll them in these herbs say <laughs> these these 15 words and I'm like oh, why though <laughs> so like I think intuition is wonderful but it's very hard for people who are intuitive or at least it is for me to be like you know this is routine, this is, you know, correct, you know, I'm in my magic, I'm very spontaneous, I'm spontaneous, Mm -hmm. so if I feel the energy, I start to chant, Um, and, you know, I start to chant, and and some people are like, why? (laughs) You know, Um, but but it's there, but like, it's very hard for me to just be like, absolutely rigid in my magic, and I find that that Sort of that if you don't have in intu- if you're intuitive, if you're struggling with your if that it's it's easier to sort of follow specific lines or you know I find it sort of balances out right, and like uh i have
0: i mean obviously everyone is gonna do what makes sense to them, mm-hmm. but I've always advocated against the purchase of like spell books yeah. um, or following pre-made spells, because yep. if you're casting like the only thing that matters is your intention and your connection to your intention. So I just feel like it's kind of a scam to buy someone else's intentions because they may not align with you or like the correspondences they draw from colors and herbs and other ingredients may not align with what you have and I think I've noticed recently the shift in paganism and witchcraft away from ceremonial magic or um yeah. like Wiccan magic because a lot of the like Wiccan information is sort of these prescribed spells and that comes straight from Gardner and Doreen Valiente and like I know where that comes from, but I've noticed people abandon that and move more towards like a chaos magic where the only thing that matters is the result and however you get there is just however you get there but the steps are losing favor i think as we step through yeah. a new decade of neopaganism
1: i find that quite refreshing because you know back when i was starting you know of course the of course i did uh when i heard what i could you know get a hold of stuff like from uh scott cunningham and things yeah. like that at the time I thought it was genius. But then, you know, lately, as I've been like looking at different like spells for this or spells, I'm kind of in agreement with you because I find that, you know, each person's own magic, each person's uh, way of doing magic is so personal. Faith is so personal. Practice is so personal. Why do you want to cheapen it with someone else's spell? I mean, that's. Sure. It's sort of like saying, well, I'll just borrow your magic for a little while. But you have your own.
0: Yeah. And I, I understand maybe using those prescribed spells when you're first starting. So you can see how other people structure their spell and how other people use in green. Yeah, that's
1: fine. I um, mean, yeah.
0: That's not something I would do in my current practice. But I also have, you know, the benefit of 10 years under my belt, where I can um, see the mistakes I made, and where things didn't work and consult my book of shadows and then move forward with that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like more of a trial by error process that I've haven't nearly perfected or mastered, but I have improved at.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine for, you know, a young, hey, and who's just starting out if that's if that's how they start learning how to cast spells, that's totally fine. But I think after a while, there's a certain point, And only you and the gods and the spirits, you know, uh, and the Fae, if you honor them, know when you're ready to sort of step away from that. But, like, there's a time where you, just, where you should be like, yeah, this is great. And this served me for what? Find my own magic and do my own magic. Sure, I definitely agree.
0: Off. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit away from animism there for a second, but I'm glad to hear your opinion on magical practice. Um, let's see. I guess to sort of wrap things up here, I is there any advice you would give to somebody who is just sort of starting out on their animistic path or
1: who is interested? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, follow your heart, um, listen to, uh, listen to your inner voice, what's calling to you. And if you're, you know, if you're wanting to start with animism, you can start that anywhere. Like, you know, find something that you feel connected to a plant or an animal like your pets and like, you know, try to, um, try to see if they have something to say, meditate, you know, on nature and the, the web of life and, you know, just start there. I would also start, um, uh, this is something I've always believed is start to by, uh, just, just seeing what sorts of things you can pick up if you find you know, just see what sort of things you can listen to. Is your area full of like chirping birds, or is it an industrial city? And I think it's important to honor the spirits. You know, if you want to focus on in a on a specific region or tribal animism, that's fine. But I think it's important to also pay attention to your own backyard. Mm-hmm. What sorts of spirits are there? And focusing on those. And that, I guess that would be the advice I would have for anyone who wants to start with animism or is considering it. Perfect.
0: That sounds that's really accessible, I think. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to um, digest easily a lot of what you've shared with us today. But I think that's about all our time. And would you like to let people know where they can find you?
1: Yes, um my you can find me um at Chronicles of Fay uh podcast. Um and uh, and uh I also have a page called the, the Rainbow Pentacle on Facebook that's sort of my own uh, my own sort of passions and and things that drive me. So you can find me there. I definitely appreciate this.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, uh, this is really cool. I hope to do more of these special guest appearances too. And it was an honor to have you on as our first. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you.